When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Justin, and uh, there will be no slamming, no bamming, and no thanking your podcast co-host. And I'm Avsidensky, and Alex, maybe if you were a little bit of a bigger celebrity, you would have had a chance. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. Today we are here to discuss Season 5, Episode 7, The Ski Lift, which originally aired on November 20th, 2005. Uh, last week it was Passover in Curb, which means it was April, uh, and this week it's ski season for some reason, so... Well, we're we're going to talk about what's what time of year it is in this episode because okay. it doesn't completely add up. Yeah, um, but I mean, but the, the narrative of of the story has to be sequential because you know, like for example, like they're they're talking about Richard Lewis's illness, so it, it, in theory it should be a week after Passover. So yeah, in in theory, in Los Angeles, it shouldn't be skiing weather and baseball weather at the yeah. same time. But you know, we'll get into yes. that. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's jump right into the recap. Larry is visiting with Richard. Uh, he's, uh, you know, kind of, you know, seeing what's good latest with uh, the kidney and how he's doing. And Richard is like, he's lost all hope. He's desperately begging Larry for a kidney. Larry's like, well, you know, what's going on with Lewis Lewis? You know, hopefully he'll come through. And Richard's like, come on, like, you know, look, I have this Mickey Mantle ball. You know, look what happened to the Mick. They gave him a liver right away. It wasn't a problem. And Larry's like, yeah, well, you know. Maybe if you were a little bit of a bigger celebrity, uh, you know, things would be a little bit different. Um, and Richard says, you know, speaking of the ball, you know, you know, I have this Mickey Mantle ball, the ball that he hit for his uh, 500th home run. And I'm leaving it to you in his in my will. And it's going to be yours one day. And Larry's very excited. He does his uh, Mickey Mantle rounding the bases routine that they both uh, get a good kick out yeah, of. I didn't get that, but maybe it's before my time. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not a. A huge uh, Mickey Mantle. Person. Larry's really being an asshole this whole scene. Like, um, you know, Richard tells him he looks healthy, and Larry says, "Yeah, well, I took care of myself. I wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict." <laughs> so, uh, other friends, yeah, he can, really, yeah, he's rubbing it in. Yeah. By the way, why does Richard Lewis? Okay, so he has the Mickey Mantle baseball. That's fine. He also has a signed Ohio State football next to his bed. And um, and even if he were to have acquired a, a football from Ohio State signed by. I don't know who signed that at some point. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing that would be so beloved that he'd keep it on, on his bedside table, right? Does he strike you as a big Ohio State football fan? No, not necessarily. But you know, I guess you know if he has a personal relationship or connection to some someone that got it for him, maybe you know it's still cool to have. Yeah, there's also a big photo on his nightstand of Richard wearing a cowboy hat. Oh, so he's just a front runner. No, not a Dallas Cowboys hat. A cowboy hat, like oh, like, a, like okay. Yeah. 
like an actual cowboy, <laughs> an actual cowboy hat. And I would like to get some information on that as well. Yeah, we should look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I do like when Jeff mentions the value of the baseball, the camera cuts to the very interested looking nurse, um, Lisa. But then when she goes to talk to Larry in the hall, the very first thing she brings up is the baseball, which is like kind of a curious thing to do if you're planning on stealing it. Like you wouldn't really want to draw extra attention. Right. Yeah, well, she's, you know, she's not necessarily the smartest. Yeah, and I could just mean to establish that she's interested in it, but she hasn't yet come up with the wide vagina theft scheme. So maybe she doesn't realize yeah. she's a wide vagina until Larry tells her. Is that possible? Um, or it's possible that she doesn't have a wide vagina at all. Well, she's, just, she's storing uh, a lot of stuff in there. So. <laughs> well, you know, the vagina has been known to uh, expand to accommodate, you know, large items hmm. to pass through it when necessary. Okay. How large? Just depends on uh, a baby, a baby's head. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. <laughs> True, two point, excellent. Um, so you know, Larry heads out, but before he does, uh, Richard makes sure that Larry understands that you know, if Lewis stays in his coma, I'm really depending on you to come through for me, uh, which is basically the last thing in the world that Larry wants to hear. As he heads out, he starts uh, schmoozing with the nurse. Uh, you know, they mentioned the baseball, as you said. She also mentions that she actually knows uh, Larry's friend Jeff. They once dated. And Larry's like, oh, that's that's interesting. Like how, you know, how are things? And she's gives a completely socially unacceptable <laughs> response, which is to say uh, things were good until, you know, it became intimate. Uh, Larry's like, oh, yeah, I know. My man, Jeff, he's a little slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. Is that what you mean? And she's like, no, actually, no slam, no bam, no thank you, ma'am. Uh, he was actually uh, a bit short lived, if you know what I mean. And she makes the uh, universal finger gesture for small penis. Yeah. It's really kind of crazy how she starts by saying there was no hanky-panky, or if there is, she's not going to talk about it because she's not that kind of a gal. And then moments later, as you said, she's giving like extremely private and specific details. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a very, uh, very rapid turn she has. Yeah, I mean, like... This is this conversation like this has never happened in the history of the world. Yeah. Where someone meets somebody and is like, "Oh, I know your friend Jeff. He has a small penis." <laughs> yeah. Well, look, Larry asked her if it was slam bam, thank you, ma'am, and she's not in the mood for details. You listen to me. I want details, and I want them right now. I have a podcast. I have no place to go. You're not in the mood. Well, you get in the mood. You get and in the so, mood. Yeah, she, details. Yeah, she really does. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, so I mean, um, to answer, Lisa actually asked the question, or excuse me, Larry. Larry sort of acts surprised at Lisa's behavior. And Lisa asked the question, you know, do and I'll ask you, Ab, do men not sit around and talk about if they have tiny wieners? <laughs> <laughs> not typically. It's not something that usually gets volunteered. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the men uh, gathering stuff. Yeah. What is Lisa's motivation, by the way? Like, is she hitting on Larry? Is she trying to get back at Jeff who treated her poorly? A little bit of both. But it doesn't sound like Jeff treated her poorly other than just having a small penis. Like – like it's one thing if if Larry was correct and he was like slam bam thank you ma'am and just like yeah. basically you know had sex with her and then like she never heard from him again like that would be reason to say you know this guy's an asshole who treated me poorly but it sounds like he was a perfectly nice gentleman who just you know has a deficient penis which you know what are you supposed to do yeah okay? but, but listen so he has a small penis no Jeff he's not a perfectly nice gentleman right yeah. but that's not her complaint yeah like, you know I'm just you know I'm going based on what she's saying you know she's saying everything was good except for the sex yeah I don't know tough tough out for Jeff here. Um, it, I remember uh, I remember watching this episode live because I had uh, I, I, w- I was in law school at the time and I had two friends of mine who you who you know both of them and we had just like in the week or weeks before invented like a character that we had uh, you know seen you know in, in small doses around which we call too much information guy which was not the person who 
volunteers too much information. This guy who it's says the that? guy who when somebody yeah. goes, ah, too much information. <laughs> and like, so like, we just like we started referring to this just like generic character, too much information guy. And then like we were all three of us were sitting watching this episode. And when she says this and Larry goes, too much information, we just started cracking up and pointing at the screen in unison. It was yeah. like <laughs> amazing that uh, Larry had manifested before our, our eyes as too much information guy. Um. Yeah. So we. By the uh, way, during the, the hold on during yeah. this Lisa Larry conversation, uh, which is in Richard Lewis's house, um, we see a ve- they're standing right outside the door of his bedroom, and there's a very large, prominent, traditional wood mezuzah on that door. And then this is as the camera sort of moves, you see it on the interior of other doors in the house, which like there's no way that would exist in Richard Lewis's house because like you know a lot of Jews might have like a mezuzah on the front door, but they don't have mezuzahs on every door of their house unless they're like quite orthodox. So it, it led me to think, like, did they were they renting this house where they were filming from Orthodox Jews? And then if they were, which it seems to me they had to have been, then I wonder if that has sort of helped inspire the script, right? Like, like where the hell does Larry come up with the concept of Shkia Sahama? So my theory is that the owner of this house uh, who rents them the house, he sort of – they let him sort of stand in the back and watch as they're filming, um, you know, with his kippah. And so Larry turns to him at one point and says, hey – you know, give me some obscure Orthodox uh, Jewish funny term that we can throw in here. That's sort of my theory of how this all came to happen. That could be. Um, although we'll get into later some uh, some bad information that it seems this guy may have uh, fed them about how Orthodox Judaism works. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, that leads to another thing, which like so I was watching this with my wife and my wife gets annoyed by the things that aren't accurate. And it reminds me of a thing that our mutual friend Eitan uh, used to say uh, in high school or at some point like many years ago, which is a good point, which is like our religion is filled with so many obscure and ridiculous and absurd rules. But because we just grew up with them, we just accept them as normal. So when we see on TV or in the media uh, an inaccurate portrayal, we're like, oh, that's ridiculous. We don't do that. And it's like, yeah, but we do a thousand other things that are like even more weird. So it's like like the thing that they got wrong is weird to us because we don't do it. But it's not any more weird than the things we actually do do, right? Um, we do a lot of very so weird like, things. So like as a big um, example, which I'm sure you're going to mention, like the um, the daughter has her hair covered the entire episode. like. Right. Non-married exactly. women don't cover their hair. Only married women Correct. do. To us, that's absurd. But like, if somebody pointed that out to Larry or the people while they were filming the episode, I'm sure what the person what they said to the Orthodox Jew telling them that is, "Shut up, we don't care. This is what makes people think they're Orthodox." So it's like you know, right? They're trying they're trying to create authenticity through specificity, even if it's not actually yes. exactly authentic. Yeah. It's like yeah. I mean, and I mean, I'm sure that there are many many things that I've seen on TV where they portray. You know, some sort of Muslim or Christian or some other religious thing that I that I'm like, yeah, that seems authentic. Like that looks like the type of thing I would expect that to have. And like someone who's actually very familiar with all the intricacies of a religion would say, no, that's not actually how that would ever work. Yeah. Um, but like for TV, it's good. Enough. And not just with religion, like you know, like Bill Simmons always with anything. Bill right. Simmons always complains in sports how they need like a person who knows about sports to correct like these obviously wrong things about TV shows and movies. But again, I think they do have somebody who knows about sports. And when they tell the director, hey, that's not accurate, the director says, I don't care. This is what a non-sports person thinks is a sports thing. So that's what we're doing here. Yeah, that could be. That could definitely be part yeah. of it. Um, or it could just be they had someone who didn't know what they were talking about, who you know, who was like nominally orthodox and was the you know the person that they relied on and he got uh, some things right and some things uh, wrong. There's nobody who knows the term Shkia Sahama who thinks that non-married women cover their hair. Um, yeah, that's probably true. I mean, how many people do you know who even know the term Shkia Sacham? I don't think it's a common term among most Orthodox Jews. Yeah, mo- yeah. most Orthodox Jews would just say something. There's no chance my wife has ever heard that term outside this episode of her. <laughs> Could be, yeah. Yeah, that's like a Talmudic yeah. term. 
okay. So uh, we head over to the hospital, and Jeff and Larry are uh, sitting by Lewis Lewis's bedside, and you know they're talking about how comas are unpredictable, and like there's still hope. We don't really know what's going to happen here. Uh, Larry's like, by the way, I bumped into a friend of yours. Tells him the whole uh, thing about the interaction with the nurse and how she said Jeff has a small penis. Jeff's like, no, not true. And immediately says the the real problem is that she has a gigantic vagina, <laughs> and she's probably trying to nip that in the bud. Which itself is probably some sort of uh, euphemism here mm-hmm. uh, for this situation. Okay. Um, and like he uh, he makes one until now is not the universal symbol for I believe, but has since become the universal symbol for a large vagina with the uh, the hands pressed together by the heels of the hands uh, open wide. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing they probably coined that uh, gesture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the hand signal for small penis is is rather well known. Obviously, um, I refer to it as the half inch salute when I used to salute uh, one specific friend in high school with that. But I was going to ask, like, and I guess you're, you just gave the answer, like, is the wide vagina hand signal, is that something that was invented by Curb or was it something that was just popular, popularized by Curb, sort of like shrinkage with Seinfeld? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I've never seen it used outside, like somebody who's like overtly referencing Curb. Yeah. Now, I've never even been familiar with the concept of, of someone having an overly wide vagina, but I guess I, maybe I don't have enough vagina experience. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm guessing it's not a. Isn't know, it a rather really, elastic uh, muscle, real, as you said? It's a, it can sort of a. I, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, we should probably shouldn't spend too much time opining <laughs> on vaginas because what do we know? Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think from what I've seen, like the whole like small penis thing is also kind of a myth that it's like it really for like 99 percent of people fall into a fairly you know small range of uh, of penis size. Yeah. Um, obviously there's some outliers in both directions, but like what I, most people have a, a reasonably similar sized penis is what I've Yeah. Heard. What I think is that if you're going around complaining about a woman's wide vagina, then you, you know, it is a cell phone because I think in order for it to be so wide as for you to notice, you have to be lacking in some girth yourself. So I don't think Jeff should yeah, be, my, although to be fair, Jeff yeah. wasn't publicizing this. Jeff was just responding to her accusation. Yeah, my you know my my theory has always been that there's like really only two places that people regularly see other people's penises. Number one is in pornography, which is fake, and you know they can they can make looking anything look however they want. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. Number two is people see other men in like locker rooms and bathrooms sometimes, and that's where the uh, shower versus grower phenomenon. Yes can come into effect like you're not generally seeing other men's erect penises i was just very often out of out of an, a sexual context. i was just listening to a podcast with uh which what was this with an african-american woman who was talking about how the grower versus shower is why there's the false perception that african-americans are more well endowed yeah i've wondered about that and so yeah i think we may have talked about that in uh it was an earlier episode where uh, Larry's asking all the black women yeah. about <laughs> whether it's true that black men have a large. Yeah, no. Well, well this specific this specific anecdote I just heard, so I didn't hear. I hadn't heard yeah. it at the time that we had that episode with Wanda, but yeah, oh, okay. but it would have it would have been relevant there. Had I. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So um, Jeff is like, you know, this is probably happens a lot. Guys get sm- tagged with the small penis label when really the problem is big vagina. Mm-hmm. These big vagina ladies, they're just getting away with murder, and something should be done. Yes. It's a very big problem. <laughs> um, so, you know, the doctor comes in. He just wants to let Larry know that he's onto him. He knows exactly what Larry's doing, that he's waiting for Lewis Lewis to die so that he doesn't have to give the kidney to Richard Lewis. Larry is at first just like, I, what kind of a person would do that? Like, oh, you know, that's crazy. And the doctor says, I think you know exactly what type of person, Larry. And Larry finally owns up. He says, a person like me? 
All right. Pretty yeah. good. You got me. It's great. It reminds me of the time when he tries to skip the line in the bathroom by pretending to be remember it. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he gives uh, it up so yeah. quickly. Yeah. I mean, it's like at a certain point, like if somebody says like, literally, here's exactly what you're yeah. doing. I know this is what you're doing. Yeah. Like there's only so much you can wiggle out yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, so sometimes people are so committed to the lie. I'm thinking of another mutual friend of ours in high school who, uh, when he was committed to a lie, he would he would go to he would you know go to his deathbed uh, insisting it was true. <laughs> yeah, um, there's also an element of here. It's like it's not like he's actually doing something wrong. I mean, it's like it's maybe like immoral to think this way, but it's not like he's actively participating in some scheme that the doctor has now blown up. It's like okay, yeah, you got me. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't really care about this guy. I I want updates on him because I hope he dies. So I don't have to give my kidney away, which you know is not the you know the mo- the nicest thing to vocalize out loud. But it's not a completely unreasonable thing for somebody to like kind of hope that I don't have to give away my kidney. And this guy who's probably going to die, let's just have him die a little bit sooner so that way I'm off the hook. Yeah, this evil man apparently who's going to die. Right. Yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, while they're there, um, Jeff mentions to Larry, oh, you know, we have the the ski lodge. Like, why don't you come with us? And Larry really doesn't want to because skiing is a whole schlep, which is correct. Yeah. So you're, you're anti-skiing. Oh, yeah. I went skiing one time and it was the worst day. Oh, life. okay. Yeah, um, the it's it's very it's similar to the beach in a lot of ways. And that we get that very similar scene later where, like, Larry's trying to, like, balance all the gear as he walks, which is very similar to that scene where he goes to the beach. Yeah, it's exactly the same. All the beach supplies, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's, you know, I feel about the beach. It's like, it's a schlep, and then you spend the entire day uh, sopping wet, freezing cold, bruised, and it's just, that's not fun. Yeah, well, you should probably um, go skiing more than once, if you, but yeah. Yeah, I suppose if you get good at it, it could be fun, but, you know, yeah. I, I don't expect that I will ever try skiing again, and thankfully I married someone who also has no interest, who also went skiing once, had a miserable experience, has no interest in going skiing, so, you know, if my kids want to be skiers, they'll have to figure it out when they're older. Okay. Hmm. We're not going to be a skiing family. Um, as they're, uh, you know, walking out of the hospital, uh, Larry spots George Lopez, who seemingly also had a kidney transplant recently. Uh, you know, they make some pleasantries, and George says that he's feeling great since he got the transplant. Um, says, you know, someone's really got to step up for Richard. I hear he really needs one, and he's at the bottom of the list for the transplant. And, you know, if you're at the bottom of the list, you're just completely fucked. Uh, but, you know, just so I, you know, you didn't hear this from me, but the guy in charge of the kidney consortium, this guy Ben Heineman. Uh, he's the type of guy that he can be convinced if you buddy up to him. Yeah, puts his friends high on the list. Incredibly unethical. Uh, quite a, I wouldn't say anti-Semitic, obviously, but a, a little bit anti-Orthodox. So there's bias here. But anyway. Um, yeah. So, In Orthodox, you would never do something like this. <laughs> no, no, of course not. No, there's, there's, there definitely wasn't a, an entire big uh, expose about a bunch of rabbis who were involved in a uh, scheme to, you know... I don't even know what they were doing. They were doing something with tra- with organ transplants that they got all busted for. Um, yeah, no, the, the whole uh, kidney transplant uh, industry is, uh, I think, has a lot of problems from what I've read that uh, is, in, is in need of serious reform. Yeah, but I listened to a Freakonomics probably... podcast about it a few years ago. Yeah, there's a lot of issues with yeah. it. But, you know, there's a lot of issues with a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we head back home, and Larry's on the phone. He's talking to Mr. Jones, asking him to look into this uh, Heidemann character, see what he could find out about him, so that way he can buddy up. Um, Cheryl's, you know, she's there. She's like, hey, I just got this winter coat for you, uh, and, you know, maybe you could use it for the skiing trip. And Larry's like, no, no, we're not doing that. I like the coat, but we're not doing the skiing. Um, 
and the uh, Larry uh, sees there's like a bag on the table, which he opens up and realizes that it's filled with edible undies. Uh, he figures, oh, it must be uh, Mr. Jones. He must have left it here. Yeah, well, he well the weird thing is him. that Jones is talking to them in the kitchen, and then when they're done, they're like, all right, bye. And he just walks from the kitchen out of the house, which is like normally you escort a guest out of your house. Like, you know, you, you, you at least you show them to the door. You don't just stay in the kitchen and let them go find their way out. But – uh, generally speaking, yeah, yeah. But that's what happens uh, here. Yeah, the so whole he leaves his out of the water. The whole the whole edible undies thing. I will say like that's like the one part of this episode that I'm like not that into because it's just it's just like too silly. But, but I mean, it leads to the incredible you know, scene whatever. on the ski lift. But. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll say that I, I don't necessarily love that payoff as much as as other people. Okay. The, I mean, we're we're skipping ahead a little bit, but the edible underwear they seem to basically just be a fruit roll up in the shape of yeah, it, right, yeah. exactly. It's just right. It's just like yeah, it's a fruit roll up yeah. for lack of a better word. It's just sort of right in the shape. I, I don't have characters. enough familiarity with edible underwear. Uh, I have no yeah. familiarity. No, nor do I don't understand the appeal really because like it feels like it was just like sticky and dirty and like you know I don't know unnecessary. Yeah, just like yeah, I'm not going to even say it, but yeah, I don't I don't see the uh, the need. It's a very uh, George. Uh, Esque attempt to uh, combine food and sex. To combine, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, Larry's in his office. He's uh, talking to Mister Jones on the phone, and he's getting this whole the whole scoop on Heidemann. He's uh, he's a big Yankees fan. He's an Orthodox Jew, and he drives a gold Cadillac. And here's his license plate number, oh. which is you know good job by Mister Jones. He got uh, he got him a good info. Yeah. First time we've actually seen uh, him be Larry... good at his job or do any anything actually. <laughs> right on the adoption stuff, he always just promises stuff is coming. Here we actually see some evidence. Yeah. Um, so Larry says that what his plan is going to be is that he has to figure out some way to somehow save his life. And then this guy Heidemann will be indebted to him. And then he could ask him to help out Richard Lewis. Like, for example, if Jeff were to, like, push him off the roof or something and then Larry would somehow jump in and, pre- and prevent it from happening, then he would be indebted to Larry. And Jeff's like, well, you know, he might have something to say about the guy, who, the fat guy who tried to pu- push him off the roof. And Larry's like, yeah, well, that's why it's not a good idea. But, like, you know, something <laughs> like that. And, you know, we, we, ta- we cut a little bit ahead and we see they're in a parking lot and they've spotted the car. And what appears to be their plan is that they're going to intentionally uh, – create an accident with their two cars so first larry drives into the car yeah. and they get out they inspect but it looks like they barely even did anything like this is useless yeah. by the way how do so they know larry... there's no camera in the parking lot which there usually is um yeah well maybe back then there wasn't as many but yeah no this is the, I, I mean this plan happens to work out but it's a very stupid plan yeah i like to think that like oh here how am i gonna become friends with the guy this guy i'm gonna break his car <laughs> yeah I, then he'll want to be my friend yeah i was um i was in shop right in my neighborhood a few months ago and uh, when I and I, I usually try and park not too close to everybody else so my car doesn't get smashed. But unfortunately, I came out and my car was smashed. And so I went inside to to the security desk or whatever, and I or to like the front desk, and I said, "Hey, listen, um, it appears as if somebody, you know, bumped their cart into my car." You know, do you happen to have any, you know, video video evidence to see what's going on? And it turned out it wasn't like what I thought, which is somebody had just sort of pushed a cart into their my car because they, they found it on the video. Someone had with their car smashed into a cart and knocked the cart from into my car from their car. So um, anyways, yeah, so there is video. Yeah. And then I, and then I said, oh, great. Can I have this video? And they're like, no, uh, we can only give it to the police. I have to file a police report. Interesting. Yeah, it was much more complicated than I was hoping. My wife had once had a had a car accident situation where she was like coming out of her office parking lot and like got sideswiped as she was like you know turning into the lane. 
um, and the police report originally like wrote it up as either her fault or like neither fault, just like you know both people did something wrong. And then she went to like the IT guy in their office and like found that they that there was cameras in the parking lot, and they were able to get like a perfect angle that showed exactly what happened, and she got it like reversed, mm-hmm. much like her. That was. Yeah, it was like when you saw it on tape, it was like, oh, that guy clearly yeah. he, like what, didn't do the right. I don't remember exactly what happened, but like it was it was obvious that it was the other person's fault. Yeah. Well, I, I when I went shopping, also I was very pleasantly surprised that there was a camera to immediately find my car. Yeah, I guess that's one of the reasons why some people have those uh, dash cabs. Yeah, like just in case. Like everybody in Russia. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, by um, the way, so and, you know, this is a, a common complaint on the show, but Larry, a famous celebrity, L.A., an extremely small town, yet Larry can pretend to be an Orthodox Jew. And Ben Heineman, according to Larry's plan, will have no way of knowing that he's making it. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's it's let's uh, yeah. let's also say it's not as if he uh, he does the best uh, Orthodox Jew <laughs> impression that I've ever seen. Yeah, a lot of mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, which you know I can see why that's why what it sounds like to somebody, but yeah, to somebody who doesn't know the difference, but to somebody who does, <laughs> yeah, would like the daughter. Excuse me, what are you saying? Yeah. Um, so uh, he tries again, and this time he goes much harder. The airbag even comes out, and it works perfectly, and he leaves a note. And we fast forward to Izzy's Deli, where Larry is going to get his opportunity to meet with Heidemann. Mm. So he's uh, he, like, he dresses up as an extremely, like, nebbishy, <laughs> like, orthodox. Wait, hold on. Like, is I, it, it's Larry's normal outfit, except for the abaca. Um, no, like, I don't know. Pants are hiked a little higher. Like, the, the pants and the button-down shirt. It's just like it's like so like. <laughs> is he also is he wearing short sleeves? Yeah. It's just like very like classic like Nerd. Miami Beach of the nineteen fifties attire. <laughs> All the yarmulkes of the extras in the scene at the deli, by the way, are terribly fake. Yeah. Again, the yarmulkes would be not were not chosen by someone who knows what kind of yarmulkes people wear in the circumstance. But anyway. Yeah, so Larry explains, you know, what happened was, you know, I was listening to Jewish radio, and they were talking about Israel, and I got so worked up that I crashed, and, like, I didn't even know what happened yeah. before I could before I could look. Mm. And, yeah, the guy, you know, the guy's like, yeah, that's understandable. You yeah. know, he probably also gets worked up about uh, Israel <laughs> from, from Jewish radio from time to time as well. It's a very uh, passionate subject yeah. for a lot of people. I do like how they mix in some real Hebrew and Yiddish expressions along with all the random bullshit. <laughs> Um, uh, Larry, like, he, he fakes a phone call he, as if somebody's calling him. He's like, oh, it's the Yankee game? No, of course I can't go to the Yankee game. It's the Sabbath. So who are the, uh, are the Yankees like, coming to play the Angels? Is that what we're led to believe? That's what it, that's what it sounded like. Okay. Um, now, again, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, we're supposed to believe that baseball season is in full swing while there's snow in Los Angeles. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it has to be a week after Pesach or, or more or less. So it's April. So the baseball part makes sense. Um, right. I wonder. I don't. I don't know enough about skiing. There must be skiing not that far from from LA that you can. You know, you fly. I'm sure it's an hour to flight. I don't know. How, you know, I don't know exactly where it is, but I'm sure somewhere in the mountains, in the Sierra Nevada, something. Yeah, I mean, I think Lake Tahoe has skiing. I'm sure there are places yeah. where there are ski where there is skiing. I just doubt that's the case in April. Well, I don't know. You go up the mountain high enough. You can, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, when I was in Colorado, uh, I did like a cross country road trip with some friends, and it was in the middle of the summer, and we went to like the highest point in in Colorado. It was, I think, it's like the highest paved road in the United States, at the top of Mount Evans, and there was like straight up snow. Yeah. So I guess that's true that if you go high enough, you can always find snow. I mean, last year, or I guess two years now at this point, um, I was in Israel for Passover, and there was snow on the top of the Hermon, and people were skiing there. So, 
All right. All right. So maybe we don't know what we're talking about. I'm not an expert on the weather. I know Jews control the weather, but not this year. <laughs> I don't really know much. Um, so Heinemann's like, wow, that's amazing. The two things in life I love are the Yankees and skiing. <laughs> Um, which, you know, Mr. Jones didn't get the skiing tip, so uh, shame on him for that. That could have uh, Larry could have came in with that plan already. Yeah. Um, and Larry says he's so excited to hear that that my yarmulke almost fell off. <laughs> uh, he says, you know, it's my favorite thing to do in life, and, you know, it just so happens to be that, you know, I'm going skiing this weekend with some friends. Why don't you come along? Yeah. So uh, Larry heads now back to um, Richard Lewis's. And- well, hold on. That, that's the end of our conversation? Oh, okay. Well, so Heine- Heineman, for example, he says that, you know, he loves the Yankees so much that sometimes he even breaks the rules and watches their games on Shabbos. Oh, that's which, true. He which, by the way, that. nobody who looks like him, well, probably wouldn't do that. But nobody would have, nobody would have, nobody would have. They wouldn't that. admit that to a guy they just met who they think is, yeah. Um, also, by the way, most of the Velvet Yarmulke types, sort of the, the Ben Heineman types, not big into skiing, usually. But uh, I guess there are some exceptions. Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't think we need to uh, worry about that. But yeah, you wouldn't like some other Orthodox person that you just met. You wouldn't tell them yeah. that if you're observant that you break the Sabbath. Sometimes. Yeah, that's you like know, a cardinal you, sin. You put, you know, yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, that's like a fine, like a fifth date type of thing. <laughs> you know, but then again, you probably also wouldn't tell somebody you just met that one of your mutual uh, acquaintances has small penis. Yeah. So. <laughs> people are very forward with Listen, information. People are escalating small talk to media talk all over. Yeah. Uh, okay, do you have anything more to say before we no, go ahead to the next I thing? give you permission to move okay. on. Excellent. Okay, so we go back to Richard's house, and Larry's uh, chatting up the nurse again. It says, hey, just want to let you know, I kind of uh, I saw Jeff, <laughs> and I mentioned the whole small penis thing to him, and he seemed to think the problem was your big vagina. <laughs> and he says, no, that's ridiculous. I have a regular size vagina. Uh, Larry's not convinced. She's, he says, I think that you use the big vagina to prey on the small penis, and me thinks the lady doth protest too much. Yeah, she does have the look of someone who would be too large uh, down there. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I don't know what that means either. Um, so he uh, he heads in to see Richard, and he tells him the great news about the inroads he's making with the kidney guy, and he says, you know, it would be this mantle ball. Like I would love to have it, obviously, but an even better idea would be like let's just give it to this guy, and you know, if that helps get you to the top of the list, then that'll be worth it. And Richard at first is resistant, but, you know, he relents and says, you know what, fine. Uh, except as soon as they go to look for it, they see that it's missing. You know, they look on the floor, they look all around, it's nowhere to be found. Um, and the only person who's been in the house other than Larry since the last time is the nurse. Yeah, which I call bullshit on. Like, this house is spotless. You know, there's no cleaning person who's been there, no cook, nobody, only this nurse. But that's what I Richard maybe says. The nurse, uh, maybe the nurse also has cleaning I guess so, yeah. I don't know where she stores. Oh, I do know where she stores her cleaning supplies. Yeah. Uh, so Larry starts questioning her about it. Like, have you seen the ball? Do you know anything about it? She's like, says, no, of course not. I don't know what you're talking about. And after a little back and forth, she's like, I, I understand. What exactly are you getting at? <laughs> at which point Larry, deserve, Larry delivers what is one of the best slides in yes. the history of Curry. Yes. Where he says, I submit that you stole that baseball, stashed it in your unusually large vagina, and walked right on out of here. I was dying. And my notes actually said, is this the funniest line on Curb yet? I think it is. Yeah. It's really, really yeah. good. It's very good. So we uh, fast forward a little bit later in the night and Larry's having uh, – the, the the Davids are having dinner with the uh, Greens 
And Larry says, you know what? I've decided I would like to go skiing. Like, I'm in for the skiing trip. And everyone's very excited. Uh, Larry says, like, this is a little thing. Um, I also invited the Orthodox Jew. <laughs> and they're like, Orthodox Jew? What are you talking about? And Jeff's like, oh, you're the guy? He's like, yeah, the guy. Um, they tell him the whole backstory about Richard Lewis and the kidney. And, you know, this would really help out Richard. And Susie's like, are we helping out Richard to get a kidney? Or are we helping you avoid giving a kidney? Yeah. And Larry admits it's really about that. But, you know, you know that's still a pretty good thing to, to do overall. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of win-win for everybody. Yeah. And Susie's like, all right, fine. You know, I don't really like it. But as long as I don't really have to do anything with these people. Yeah. What do you mean by whatever, these people, like, Susie? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let them come along. And Larry's like, yeah, about that. <laughs> Um, which is, I think this is this is a, a smart editing des- decision to like not have him tell them and then just like cut and like we see yeah. it live. I thought I thought it was like well yeah. done. And we see we're in the cabin and we see what has happened is that Larry and Susie are now posing as a married Orthodox couple. Yes. It's not really ever made clear. I think who Jeff and Cheryl are. I guess it seems later like she's like he's a, he a gentile or friend, or they're just friends. Okay, fine. Um, okay, yeah, I guess that yeah, works. By the way, the, the kind of Jew that Larry's pretending to be, again, probably not the kind of people who have such close Gentile friends that they're, uh, you know, sleeping in the same house together for a trip. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah like, the, the, the dynamic later makes it seem more like she's the help, because, like, the way he's, like, chewing her out for the... Wait, but, she, the but then who would Jeff the Yeah, no, 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 so, no, really no I think it's clearly another couple that they're friends with. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, fine. That makes sense. But, like, the, for, yeah, the, the way he talks to her yeah. is crazy. I mean, it's not nice even if he, she wants to help. Yeah. But, uh, the daughter, anyway, as we said, okay. is uh, wearing a snoo on her head even though she's married. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about Larry's telling the story of how he and Susie met back when they were in college. They were they were in Hillel together. Mm-hmm. He was in a band that used to play Jewish folk the songs. Hipsters. And they're like, they're like, oh, interesting. What what's what songs? Yeah. He's like, oh, well, you know, Gefilte Fish Blues. My freaking heart is killing me and making it hard to fell. Yeah, and again, these are the names of songs that a reformed Jew would like. No Orthodox Jew would ever come up with those <laughs> song names. Yeah. Um, and Susie, uh, missing no opportunity to uh, take a dig at Larry, uh, tells them, you know, well, of course, you know, I married him out of pity. <laughs> uh, Heidemann says, oh, you know, you, you remind me of my wife, Oliva Shalom, yes. which any uh, Orthodox Jew means, knows means who has since passed away. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an endearing term that you say about someone who has deceased. Yeah. And Larry says, oh, that's lovely. I would like to meet yeah. her sometime. No, Susie says, how lovely. <laughs> Larry says, I'd like to meet uh, her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're like, he's like, yeah, well, she's dead. So, yeah. you know. Good luck and the daughter her. is very uh, suspicious. The daughter. Yeah. yeah the daughter immediately, immediately knows yeah. something is up. Yeah. Um, he's like, well, you know, enough about me. What do you do, Heidemann? And she tells him about the whole, you know, I work for the kidney consortium. I decide who gets kidneys. And he's like, that's so interesting. My friend, Richard Lewis, is on the transplant list. He really needs a kidney, but he's at the bottom of the list. And it turns out Heidemann knows exactly who Richard Lewis is. He knows the situation. He's the guy who dresses in black all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, that's, uh, you know, I guess that's a shame that, you know, he's, uh, he's in a bad spot. Yeah. Uh, well, it's bedtime, and uh, yeah, I guess you're right. It is there. There, there's meant to be a couple because. Uh, but it, it's and, it's uh, absolutely Cheryl amazing that Susan and Cheryl agreed to go along with this caper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? They've they've like blocked at much less yeah. than this. <laughs> Especially Cheryl, I feel like having to sleep with uh in the same room as Jeff. Yeah, although I guess I would say that there's been no other scheme that I could think of where like the upside prize of what they're trying to get is as significant as a kidney. But I mean, 
Richard has a kidney. This is the upside here is just Larry doesn't want to give up his kidney. Okay, that's pretty good. So, not for Susie or Cheryl. Cheryl? You think Cheryl doesn't care for her husband to have both functioning eh, kidneys? I don't think she cares. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if she actually cares about him, like, this is very good that he gets out of having to give a kidney. Is it so bad to give a kidney? I don't know. Like, one night sharing a room with Jeff. Yeah, we talked about this. If you if you give away a kidney, then you only have one kidney, and if something happens to that kidney, you die. Yeah. Um, it, and it's also, like, it's probably a big, like, surgery to go through. You, you know, it's not like Larry's a young guy. Like, having the surgery is probably a whole ordeal. Yeah, it's more than one night, by the way, I assume. All right. Probably a couple more. Yeah, whatever it is. So having, you know, sharing a room with Jeff where Jeff sleeps on the floor for a night, I think is a small price to pay to get your husband out, out of having to give away his kidney. I don't know. I mean, I think that Cheryl wants Larry to give the kidney, right? I mean, we know Susie doesn't want to because Susie said that Cheryl's never expressed opposition. I think she, she wants him to do the right thing and help out his dear friends. But if there was a way for Richard Lewis to get a kidney without Larry having to give his kidney, I think she would reasonably be very in favor of that. So you well. consider this this caper to be reasonable? <laughs> well, I would say yeah. that. It's very deceptive. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not well thought out. But, you know, I, I don't think like what she is enduring here is like so bad that like if it results in, a, in, a, in Larry – not having to get the kidney, that it will be worth There's it. There's no chance my wife would ever go along with this to save my kidney. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, so, yeah. So, um, both uh, both of them think that they uh, might get a chance to sleep in the bed, but of course not. They're both being sent to the floor. Uh, once Susie falls asleep, Larry tries to sneak in, but of course she immediately wakes up and kicks him right back oh, out. Yes. So, it's it's uh, it's the next morning, and Cheryl has By the way, not, eggs not to get and... too inside baseball here. But it wouldn't be uncommon at all for a religious uh, Jewish couple to be having to have separate beds in their bedroom. And so there could have been a circumstance, frankly, where Larry didn't have to sleep on the floor. He could have just went and slept on the couch or something. And then if um, if uh, he would have been asked by Ben or the daughter, why aren't you sleeping with your wife? He just said, oh, you know, there's only one bed in there. But I guess Larry doesn't have that information. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, so Larry, Cheryl's making breakfast, and Larry's like, what is this? Is this bacon? You can't make bacon. What are you doing? Are you crazy? <laughs> um, which, like, yeah, I mean, like, if, if you're going to do this, like, there's a lot of stuff that you have to, like, talk through beforehand. Yeah. Like, you don't just, like, as you go do, like, of course, like, they shouldn't make bacon if they're posing as Orthodox Jews. Like, that's the type of thing that even, frankly, like, most Gentiles know that, like, or, like but it's Orthodox not, Jewish people But it's not even, bacon. like, bacon. Like, the level of detail to have a, ki- a kosher kitchen, like, you know, every single product. Like, they would have been caught the minute that those people walked in the house. They would have seen things in the kitchen well before the bacon, I think. Yeah, probably. But, but yeah. like, if you somehow got it to here, it's like, now – so, like, what did they serve them last night? They yeah. made them roast beef? Like, <laughs> like they didn't, like, they didn't, like, ask any questions? Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very deceptive, though, that they uh, they uh, they presumably served non-kosher meat to them. Yeah. Not very nice. Um, yeah, so um, Heidemann's daughter comes in. She's like, is this plate that you gave me for breakfast, is this the same plate that we used for the roast beef last night? And they're like, yeah. She's like, what do you mean? Where are the milchik plates? Which uh, means dairy. The milchik means dairy. Uh, she's like, where's the dairy plates? You know, obviously you have separate plates for meat and dairy since you're orthodox. Mm. Uh, Cheryl's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. She's like, well, we have to bury the plate. And Larry, Larry's just like playing along. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. We bury the uh. plate. Uh, you know, she's like, she's like, why do we have to bury the plate? Larry's like, you, you explain it to her. Hello. I, I like oh, what she says. Terrifying. I'm sure you have a whole set of China in your backyard. What? That's not a normal thing. 
Um, yeah, so this is a, now another thing that this is completely made up. Nobody does this. This is not a real thing. Well, um, well, hold on, hold on a second. That people don't bury their their dishes in the in the yard. I maybe people do it. It is without basis. It is not a thing in in uh, in Orthodox law that you sh- that a way to purify a plate is to bury it in the dirt. So I mean, it, it is it is a thing. I, uh, okay. Well, okay. I so, so. <laughs> I, I I remember as a kid that my mother used to take forks and knives when she was koshering them and she would bury them and she would like stick them in the dirt and and then i sort of forgot about that as a kid and then i saw this episode you know 10 15 years later um and i'm like oh yeah well that's where that's from and then i asked around and it's sort of it's not it's not an exce- it's not a thing that like we do but it is a thing that some people do it's a thing that exists right. so it's a thing that is done yeah but i i'm fairly certain that it is like a mythical thing that has no basis in like actual Jewish law. Well, okay, or sure. text. this is what I'm this is what I'm talking about before, like the eight town thing. Like you're creating divisible lines that to anybody outside our community don't exist. Like, oh, there's oh, there, there's the ridiculous fine. things we do because we think we have to do them, and there's the ridiculous things we do that we don't actually have to do. Like, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. sure. I, I'm completely yeah. right. Like when someone's <laughs> like, no, that's made up. Like it's all made up. It's just a matter of what it was. Yeah, made up. but yeah, but I do. But I know I have no idea why my mom was sticking shit in the yard because yeah, as an adult Orthodox Jew, I've never. That's not a thing. Right. You take you 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 use either like water or fire to yeah. purify, which of, which again, yes, also stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Burial can never. How could that? Exactly. That's, that's going to make the plates yeah. pure. What, what are these people doing? Are they out of their minds? Yeah. Everyone knows you go to a water a place where only rainwater has been collected, yeah. and you and you dip the plate into, and that's how yes. you purify a plate. Of course, yes. Alternatively, you take a blowtorch and, and put that on the plate. <laughs> Try not to let your those are the only yeah. <laughs> those are the only two ways to purify a plate, yeah. not burying it. But yeah, we digress. Um, so she's like, she asks uh, Larry, he's like, well, why don't you? You know, you're the man of the house. Why don't you do it? She's like, well, it's a little early for burying. I don't like to bury before coffee. Yeah. So he he puts it back onto her, and she's like, is that bacon I smell? Because yeah. that would be impossible. Yeah. And Larry says, no, no, no. I was a little gassy and I lit yeah. a match. What, what, what does that mean? I have no <laughs> I idea know. what that means. I circled that. I wrote, I don't know what this means. And like, well, how is this what you would say? Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, that, that I have no idea what that means as an explanation. By the way, Cheryl plays yeah, I, this whole scene just so well. She's yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, bacon doesn't smell like farts. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to be honest, means. I don't know what bacon smells like. I don't think that the daughter should have known either. But maybe if I smelled it, I would know. Yeah, it's 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 very smoky smelling. Oh, I've never really been around bacon, so. Um. Anyway, yeah. So we uh we head to our uh our final set piece, which is uh at the ski lodge itself, and we see, as I mentioned before, the scene of Larry struggling with all the ski gear, trying to uh, get ready to go skiing. Uh, he uh, he bumps into the Heidemans. Everyone's having a grand old time. And Heidemann's like says to him, you know, I've been thinking really hard about it, and I think I'll be able to help you out and move your friend Richard up the list. Larry is so thankful. He can't believe it. Um, he actually, Then, like, he actually – what he says here is actually, like, exactly the type of way that Orthodox people speak, where he's like, you're going to be rewarded for this. I'm telling you, your, your father, he's going straight to the top on an escalator, straight upstairs. Like, that's, like, imagery that I've heard all the time being used to, like, heaven and hell, like the escalator, rushing to the top. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, they see, you know, Larry's like, oh, why don't we go for one last round on the, on the slopes? And, uh, I guess what ends up happening is that Heidemann himself does his own thing. And Larry ends up on the ski lift together with just the daughter, Rachel. Yeah. I don't know why that happened, but that's what happened. Well, we skipped another, uh, misuse of the Jewish term when, um, 
when when he tells him that he's going to give him the kidney, he says Bisha Tova, which is uh, what you say to a pregnant lady, um, but not what you say to someone when you tell them that their friend is getting a kidney instead of. And by the way, a kidney that is therefore allowing a random stranger to die instead. All right. Because by Richard skipping the line, you're uh, killing yes, another person. But that's what that's yeah, that's what always what's happening. Right? Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a limited number of kidneys. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's fair, but yeah. yeah, that's always what happens. When why is Richard at the bottom and someone else is ahead of him? Who the hell knows how this thing works? By the way, this is the emptiest ski resort I've ever seen. Maybe because it's April. Well, because it's <laughs> April, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, they're riding the ski lift together. They're making some small talk. Larry's opining on whistling. Yeah. How does this um, small talk versus... compare to Larry's, uh, with the playmates? Oh, this is better than yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he mentions how, you know, I'm not very good at drawing, but I'm very good at doodling. He, he says he can win a doodling contest. Oh, I will point out she's wearing snow pants. Um, when we used to go skiing in like class trips in my elementary school, um, there was a number of girls who would wear skirts over their snow pants for religious reasons. Right. Uh, yeah, they make girls do all sorts of uh, not yeah. great things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the uh, ski lift suddenly comes to a stop. Yeah. And uh, some time passes. It's been 50 minutes. Like, she's she's really starting to freak out. Larry's like, obviously, this is not great. But, like, all right. No, uh, I mean, you should. Like, it stop, it'll stop very frequently for a few seconds at a time. But to be stopped for this long is extremely alarming. And there's no one else yeah. on the ski lift at all. Like, all the other chairs are empty because, again, it's, the, it's April. So they're, like, the only ones there. It's kind of crazy. Right. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so like, an hour has passed. And she's, like, really starting to get, to get nervous uh, because Shkiyas Achaba is coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can't be alone after sundown. Yeah, again, this is a made up. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's it's it it, it comes from like the general concept of you know an, an unmarried woman being together with a man, sure, alone. But if you're going to de- either being on a ski lift is defined as alone or not, I don't think that whether or not the sun has set would have an impact on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. I don't. I I did. I did like re-research this, but. Um, yeah, you could be right. I, I guess. I guess her implication is that it will be dark, and therefore no one can see what they're doing on the ski. I don't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, also just like um, they, you know, nighttime. Again, they is, they heard a funny term. When... They wanted to use it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up. Let's see if there's anything here. I'm looking. I'm, I'm on the. Uh... Allahopedia. I'm looking on. Uh, no, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for Yicho. Yeah. Seeing anything about Shkias Okay, I think this it's not crazy. Uh, so it says, a woman being secluded with another man is also justified when people outside can see through the window sure. what is going inside yeah, the house. That's why, like, some people do think they'll, they'll – people, like, will leave the door open be, if, if they're going to be alone with a woman because then, hypothetically, somebody could walk in so you wouldn't, like, start having sex with each other because you'll get caught. Yeah. Um, the, this leniency, however, usually does not apply late at night, uh, as there is little or no chance that people would come in unexpectedly. Then, so I guess it makes sense in that, like nobody's going to see what you're doing if but it's the dark cutoff, out. But the cutoff, I don't think. Well, yeah, okay. So it's not completely crazy. Just ninety nine. It's not completely crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we see uh, the sun is beginning to set, and Larry is hungry and remembers that he has the edible underwear. So he starts chomping down. She's not interested, of course, because A, it's probably not kosher, and B, it's edible underwear. So she's uh, probably just turned off by the whole thing. Uh, why do you think uh, it's not kosher? Maybe there's a symbol on there. Why do I? <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that like the, the edible underwear that Mr. Jones had is probably not from a, a kosher yeah. sex store. 
Um, she realizes uh, she only has two minutes to go and says, one of us is going to have to jump. And Larry's like, are you out of your minds? <laughs> I think he literally says, are you fucking nuts? Yeah. Which is fair. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this would not be required. Even if, like, you believed that, you know, you're not allowed to be secluded alone, like, you would not be required to die or yes. be seriously injured to avoid that situation, yeah. I, th- I believe. Um, and Larry's like, all right. And he just keeps uh, chopping away on the uh, edible underwear. And he calls up Richard and says, hey, I just want to let you know, this the whole kidney thing is probably not going to happen. Well, now. he says that after she Sorry. jumps, yeah. Yeah, after she jumps. By the way, before she jumps, he... she takes her gloves off and throws them down there, which I don't understand that at all. Like, wouldn't you want to keep your gloves on to help cushion the fall on your hands? Um, I suppose. Although the last thing you want to do in a situation where you're falling is put your hands out usually because it's still like breaking yeah, your wrist. Yeah, probably true. But yeah, I don't know why she th- she preemptively throws her gloves off. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and by the way, um, I can't find my cell phone. Yeah. Um, I think I left it at your house. Like, do you, have you seen it? Mm. And Richard's like, no, I haven't seen it. So Larry's like, okay, how about this? I'll call my phone now and let me know if you hear my phone anywhere. And By the way, he's he lost his zoomed. phone several days before. So even thinking right. the battery would be on doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and as uh, as he dials, we zoom in on the nurse and see that it is uh, – the ring-in is coming from inside the house. <laughs> in the house, yes. So basically she found a phone several days ago. Decided to store it inside her vagina for days. It's still fully working in there. The battery has not died. It makes no sense whatsoever, but it's still hilarious the first time you see it. So, I mean, who among us has not walked around with somebody else's cell phone inside one of our bodily yeah. offices? Well, I just watched um, uh, Pulp Fiction with my wife. And, of course, there uh, in a timepiece was stored uh, in, a, in an anal orifice. There you go. So yeah. people do stuff like this all the time. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't see, I don't have any problem with it. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I looked up. Uh, yeah. I looked at the actors who play Rachel and Ben. Uh, Rachel was played by Iris Barr, an actress and writer known for Kerber enthusiasm. So not much of a career there. And and Ben Heineman, he the actor was the voice of Earl Sinclair in Dinosaurs. So I don't know. I don't know what that is. Anyway, um, uh, how- yeah, there is a uh, there's a uh, a relatively famous Ben Heineman. He was uh, like a, a railroad executive, but I don't think it's the same. Uh, guy. He died uh, eight years ago. Um, how do you rate this episode? Um, I really, really love this episode. Obviously, you know, there's there's an element of bias. You know, I, I think we'll both agree that this is just like as this is probably the most like inside Jewish baseball episode of TV, like outside of like literally like Schnitzel or, you know, a show that's like overtly about Orthodox people. Um, I can't imagine something be just like being more or so that, that that comes to mind. Um, so you know, there's obviously some element of that, but it's an episode that like I just like was dying from laughing the first time I saw it, and it's like that doesn't it's it's as you to your point earlier, like I didn't even remember that the whole like small penis big vagina thing is in the same episode as this, and that is just also such an iconic curb storyline and imagery that like the combination of the two makes this an all time great for me. So it's an easy five, pretty good. For me, pretty, 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 pretty good. Yep. Uh, five pretties out of five. I'm in the same boat as you, uh, which means that it's uh, the first double five uh, star episode we've had since The Survivor last season. Although opening night, our guest uh, uh, pressured me into going for five, but I really uh, went back to four and a half after she left. So 
uh, five across the board. Again, as you said, you know, probably slightly biased because of how inside Jewish baseball it is. But to me, this is the second best episode we've seen yet uh, behind only the Survivor. I slot it just above the carpool lane and just above Crazy Eyes Killer. So just uh, an incredible episode um, all the way around. So pretty, 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 pretty. pretty. Uh, who's the come with guy? Um, I think the come with guy here should be Larry. Um, he, you know, he goes to a lot of trouble. Um, you know, he's he's doing schemes with the car. He's you know uh, the whole the whole scheme with you know posing as the orthodox person. Like you know, I, we could debate about whether he does a really good job, but you know, the fact is that it works. He pulls it off. Um, he's just uh, he's uh, he's like playing multiple characters in this episode. So I think he's uh, absolutely wonderful here. So I'm gonna give it to him. Yeah, you love giving it to Larry. So. Yeah, I give it to I give it to him like once per season. I think. Yeah, second time of the season, but that's okay. Um, I am going to say, really, I mean, it's it's Cheryl and Susie for going along with the caper, but especially Cheryl. She agrees to go along with this absurd caper that involves, among other things, having to pretend to be married to Jeff, sleeping in the same room as Jeff, a, a known you know lecherous, debaucherous guy. So, you know, Cheryl really Cheryl really goes the extra mile here and uh, takes one for the team. So I'm going to give it to Cheryl. Yep. And then. Uh, and by the way, Cheryl has not got been a come with gal since season two for either one of us. So, yeah, she's lost some steel. Yeah. Um, all right, who is uh, your worst person? Gotta be the nurse. I think her name is Lisa. Is mm-hmm. that her name? Yeah, she immediately blasphemes Jeff for having a small penis when it's obvious that the problem is her unusually large vagina. Um, she steals a baseball. She steals a phone. Who the hell knows what sort of care she's giving Richard? I mean, maybe that's the reason why he's not doing well, because this person, rather than doing her job, is just going around the house stealing from him uh-huh. um, and, and hiding them away in her vagina. So, you know, she's she's near the top of the list for worst people we've seen so far, I think. Oh, wow. I didn't even have her. For me, my worst person is Cheryl. She reuses the meat plates. She cooks bacon. Like, how dare she not know well, all the rules? She doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know any better. I mean, Larry's pretty evil here. So is Ben Heineman, by the way. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm really not sure who I'm. You know what? I'm going to give it to Cheryl, though. Uh, you know, learn the laws of kosher. <laughs> <laughs> um, and has Cheryl ever been the worst person? Let me see. Um, oh yeah, Cheryl was yeah. Cheryl was the worst person yeah, for you... me in Beloved Aunt, and um, and was the worst person yeah. for me in Crazy Eyes Killer. You've never had her as the worst person, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, we 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 often mention her because of the way she like doesn't defend Larry and like is always like quick to like turn on him when he's like didn't really do yeah. anything wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna nominate Cheryl for the third time. So learn the laws of kosher, right. Cheryl. <laughs> Um, I mean, if you want to pull off a heist, do it right. Yeah, the only celebrity we have in this episode is uh, George Lopez. Um, I think it's time for the postman. Postman! Postman! Come here! Tell the neighborhood! Zach Brooks writes, how quickly would you guys be able to spot fake Orthodox Larry? What's the biggest giveaway? Yeah, the first Um, second. Yeah, the first second. As soon as, like, he's, like, mumbling the words, and, like, it's obvious that, like, he he doesn't know. Even the keeper. Like, so, um, there was a famous story. I, um, I went to a school for a year after high school in Israel, and people used to, uh, and in general, people in Israel hitchhike much more than they do in America these days. And they really told us not to hitchhike where we were because it wasn't the safest area necessarily to hitchhike. And there was a famous story a couple of years before me um, of an American uh, like student in, in the yeshiva who had been hit, who had gotten a car, was hitchhiking and noticed something was askew about the guys who picked him up who were wearing yarmulkes and ostensibly 
were, you know, religious Jews, but he noticed that their clips that they used to keep their yarmulkes on their heads were upside down. And he, from that, he realized that they were actually um, not Jewish. They were basically Arab terrorists who were attempting to kidnap him. And so he opened up the, the, the car of the moving vehicle and jumped out of it and was injured, but escaped. And it was sort of a big story at the time. And anyways, his allegations, the way he found out was from their clips being upside down. So it's really the smallest things that, that would be very impossible for – you'd have to be like an expert spy to, to really fit into this community. And, and Larry David is not that. So there's so many tiny tells, I think. Immediately, we get, get it. Yeah. Um, and he gives it uh, four and a half pretty out of five. So okay. Zach's still very high the episode. Yeah, great episode. Um, and our second and last email is from Olin, Amel, Olin Allen. He says, with, well, with all the preview talk of this being a strong Jewish Orthodox episode, you buried the lead on this episode and no doubt buried it up a big vagina. And, and, the and buried Mantle the dishes baseball? in the backyard, of course. That's right. Oh, that's true. Uh, once the Mickey Mantle baseball was shown in Richard's room, that is when all my memories flooded back about this episode. Once again, nice mix of shouting matches, Larry being fake to try to impress people in some largely silent scenes, the husband swapping, enjoying the range of comedy to curb on this revisit a lot. Still in old cultural references by Richard Lewis is what made me guffaw the most, telling Larry he looks like Andy Williams in a sweater. <laughs> and uh, Olin gives it four pretties out of five, so he's uh, a tad below the rest of the group. Uh, yeah, of course, the uh, the uh, Scottish uh, Irish, sorry. Irish, Scottish, Irish, Irish. the Irish, yeah. the, the Irish Gentile is not as high on this episode as the uh, the Jews from America. Yeah. That's fine. We, we I hear. Yeah, that. he he just uh, thought the use of Shkiasachamo was inaccurate. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so he gives the uh, come with gal to Cheryl, says, given she seems more prudish and also given the size difference of Jeff versus Larry, going along with sharing a room, if not a bed, with Jeff sneaks her ahead of Susie. Yeah. Mm. And for the bill of the week, he goes with, he agrees with me, it's Lisa. Yeah. You can tell your own friends about alleged deficiency in their sexual performers, but don't tell their own friends also seems to be smuggling quite a little, qu smuggling quite a lot in spite. Yeah. All right. Uh, next week, we have the Korean bookie, Larry's. Thorough investigation to find the truth behind uh, Jeff's missing dog Oscar will lead him to suspect his Korean gambler. We are nearing the end of season five here. We we had a dynamite episode this week, of course. Looking at the next couple of weeks, not as highly rated, I think, as the last couple of weeks. So this season uh, sort of has reached its peak, I think, in season in episode eight. Excuse me, but we have two more episodes to go in this season, and then uh, I'm really excited for season six because in season six we uh, we meet the Blacks. So yes, and we've spent a long time uh... talking about this, but. If you didn't build up a big lead in the uh, Come With Guy standings, you're in trouble because uh, we have a contender coming in who's really going to uh, blow away the crowd, I think. Jeff right now has seven and a half points in the Come With Guy standings. Yeah, so Leon should take the lead by the end of season six, is what you're saying. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. JB Smoove, uh, I just heard about another podcast this week. Uh, what was it? Oh, he was on um, He was on Conan Needs a Friend. Do you listen to that podcast? Uh, no. Oh, it's a good podcast, and especially I thought the episode of J.B. Smoove was. Pretty, 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 pretty good.